listeners, welcome to this far out episode of Warp Celluloid. I'm here with you, my host, Jack Rourke. I say that as if I'm not Jack. Jack, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> I'm here with my, and I'm here with my co-host. Chandler Williams. How's it going today, Chandler? What's the vibes? Pretty good, Jack. You know, chill Sunday morning. Uh, how about yourself? Pretty chill myself. Chill enough to have a little bit of Velvet Underground going in the background. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. I, uh... Got some homework to do later, so uh, that's that's right, that's my day. Yeah, I, I gotta clean my I gotta clean my desk. It's or you can't see it right now, listeners, but it is a uh, just stack upon stacks of paperwork and other garbage. Anyway, let's get right into it. Uh, Chandler, you brought a guest on this episode, and uh, you got an introducer. Yes, this is my uh, roommate Adeline Little. Please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Adeline. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. I'm doing great. Good to know. Good to know. It's really fun to have you on here. On here, and uh, with that in mind, Chandler, what film will we be talking about today? Today we'll be talking about Xanadu. Open your eyes and hear the magic. Universal Pictures announces the most dazzling romantic musical fantasy in years. Xanadu. Starring Olivia Newton-John. Michael Beck. And Gene Kelly. It's a love story about a boy and girl from two very different worlds, whom no one can keep apart. It's a spectacular entertainment that will transport you beyond your dreams. Xanadu, where time stops and the magic never ends. Xanadu. You know what? I don't think there's any way to really get into it. Let's just, I mean, let's just start talking. Initial thoughts and what, whatnot. Adeline, I think you wanted to cover this for a very specific reason, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So I, this is my favorite movie ever. I love this movie so much, and I'm so glad that you guys let me be on here to talk about this because I do have a lot to say about it. I'm You're excited. Glad to have you here. I'm not sure, and I can't say this is the best movie we've covered, but this is the most fun I've had watching a movie for the show. Absolutely. God, you had me over a couple of nights ago. I think it was Wednesday, and we were just like riffing along with it, singing along with the music. It was just so much, and it was just such a good time. <laughs> Definitely made yeah, my week. It was week. a lot of fun. Yeah. This was the uh, first time I've seen the film all the way through. Adeline, you actually introduced me to this film, and I, uh, 
wanted to watch it ever since. And uh, really glad we could talk about it. I think it fits our repertoire of films um, yeah, for the podcast. It definitely fits, I'll say that. I My experience with this goes, uh, I think I saw it once in high school, because I remember fi- stumbling upon the soundtrack when I was doing my huge ELO binge. And, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then it, and it was like, what am I watching? Like, it, it, it hits you like the Stargate sequence at the end of the <laughs> Mostly in the second half, though, because here's the thing, I hadn't seen this in a few years, and I forgot how weird the second half of this movie is. Listeners, just to clarify, this is a, uh, this film falls into the so bad it's good category. Um, Yeah, arguably. I'd say guilty. I I hate the phrase guilty pleasure, because I don't think people should feel guilty for things that make you happy. Like, I mean, like, good, bad, at the end of the day, as long as it makes you happy, that's all that matters. Right, but I can't think of a better uh, shorthand for this. It's one you just have to experience. Yeah, experience is the key word here. Definitely. If Scarface is a movie that feels like it was written or written by cocaine, this feels like it was written by ecstasy. Mm. <laughs> if ecstasy yes. could be embodied in on film, it would be this. Because. It feels like the perfect distillation of what the early 80s were like in that, in that they were that runoff of the late 70s. And he's like, this is the last breath of disco. Like, it's like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go down in a blaze of glory. So, uh, makes sense. Yeah, it's like right before cocaine was introduced to, settle in. to the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. It's um, last for a lot of things. It's also uh, Gene Kelly's final film role. I'm not mistaken. Outside, I mean, outside of those Dad's Net entertainment documentaries, but those don't really count since those are just archival footage. It's definitely, uh, I'll say this, he's definitely one of the few people who looks like he's trying. Yeah. Or at least, or yeah. At least one of the few great parts of this movie. It's pretty cool. impressive to watch him, like, dance and sing and do his thing when he's, oh, I mean, yeah. he's pretty old. I was gonna say, I mean, like, I mean, at his age, it's still shocking. It's like watch, remembering George Miller made Mad Max Fury Road in his 70s. It's like, Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, he's still got that old magic. He's still yeah, he's he's still got the charm, and he's still having so much fun. Um, the majority of the people you see on screen, they look like they're having a lot of fun. Um, yeah, you can tell everyone in this film really went for it. They really aimed yeah. for the fences, and like I, I think, think the they, they made the film. And the music are the, I think, I just I can speak for everyone on this. The choreography and the music is the best part of the movie. Yeah, totally. Structurally, yeah. it reminds me of like a... I don't think the choreography shot all that interestingly. If that's, it is very stagey, which is why I'm surprised yeah. that I didn't. I figured there was a stage musical of this. I'm surprised it came after this though, because this feels like was this just a stage adaptation? Like was this popular on Broadway or? Structurally, structurally, it reminded me of like a film from the '40s where it's like a very loose plot, more of just like. That's... Um, not an accident, actually, because uh, apparently, uh, according to the film's screenwriters, it was inspired by an old Rita Hayworth musical from 1947 called Down to Earth, which is like, so, okay, that explains so much right there. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it, it really just relies on, um, you know, like a stage presentations of music and dance, um, just like heavy dance numbers, where it's a, you, get, yeah. you get a music, music and especially a show. Especially the latter half of the movie, especially. Yeah. Yep, and that ELO music, which... I don't think they could have picked a better artist for this kind of movie other than, I don't know, maybe Donna Summer or Cher or something. ELO is probably the best of them, even though I wouldn't qualify them as disco, per se. It's kind of hard to know what box to put ELO in, actually, now that I think about it. Like pop, 
late seventies pop rock. Um, yeah, very that upbeat. Um, do you yeah. want to talk about the score now? Uh, yeah, funny enough, um, we already I mean, we're gonna get into the cat. Actually, fuck it, let's just talk about the story. Story in quotes. <laughs> so, Adeline, tell us what this movie is about. So, this movie starts with a muse coming from I don't even know what you would call it, like a mural? her, yeah, like her dimension into late 70s, early 80s Los Angeles. Um, and she meets a man who paints album covers and then they fall in love and make a roller disco together with the help of Gene Kelly. And that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's fairly apt because when it does go off the rails into absolute nonsense. <laughs> and I, yeah. And bear in mind, I don't want to sound like I'm ribbing this because this was genuinely a lot of fun to watch. You yeah. won't hurt my feelings. I do love yeah, this movie, yeah, but I understand. Worried, because I, again, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because the purpose of this show was to celebrate weird, not to make fun of it. And, yes, but there is yes. going to be some part, parts where we are having a good-natured laugh. Like, again, I mean, good God, the opening number about I'm Alive, where, where Olivia Newton-John's doing that look on her face where she's almost like, doing, like, the Adam West Batman dance, and she's like... <laughs> where, like, her eyes are bugging I'm like, is that just... Is she on ecstasy? I do like that sequence, like with the with the heavy neon um, rotoscoping. Um, yeah, that's just, like, all the, over the ancient, the ancient Greek neon theme of the mural. I really dig, um, I, which like it only comes back like once or twice. But um, yeah. yeah, that that's that's a very. I mean, all of the numbers in the film are very memorable. Memorable, yeah. but like that one especially. This has the ingredients of a really good musical, but the way it's put together make it. A very not good film, but the best kind of not good film. Yes. If that makes any sense. Like absurd yeah. in the most fun way possible. And by the way, uh, we might as well get into it. Uh, hey, the, uh, the painter that Adeline mentioned is played by a man named Michael Beck, who y'all might not recognize outside of the Warriors, but uh, yeah, that's probably for a good reason because of this, because wow, he is, his performance of this is yikes. No wonder this crater in his career. <laughs> like, the, I think the only thing he did after this that was notable was some Mad Max ripoff called Battle Truck, which is probably the only good Mad Max ripoff because at least it gives you what it t- or in its title and poster promise. At least it gives. Anyway, he is definitely on the opposite end, and also Olivia Newton, John Gene Kelly also mentioned, and I think that's pretty much it for like the big three cast members. Everyone else is just kind of there. Yeah, Gene Kelly, his performance was like authentically good. He was like definitely yeah. the best actor in the film. He, he de- at least I could buy or that he was into this. And also, I know this is going to sound so immature, but is it weird or did Michael Beck and did Gene Kelly have much more in um, chemistry and charisma together than the actual romantic or an subplot between Olivia and John and Michael Beck? It's weird that this whole movie would have been better if it was just a gay romance. <laughs> I think someone said it was like a like a love triangle that went like all all three ways. That was you. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, that was me. Um, <laughs> like yeah. everyone's like involved with each other. Like this, this is truly a bizarre love triangle. Because it kind of goes back in time. At one point, it kind of goes like back in time a little bit, where she was 
she also knows Gene Kelly. She was like was in his life when he was a musician back in the day. So they're all sort of connected. Really explain that, or is it just kind of implied? Because I can't. They they don't really. Do they? Yeah, because Gene Kelly was like, oh, there was this girl, um, and her name was like Kira, I think. Um, And they 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 had that cool shot. There was one really cool shot that I. Um, that I did really like, where it's um, like Gene Kelly in his mansion, and then like he was dancing, and there's like a a half overlay of the like military choir. Um, and yeah, that was really cool. I, I like the yeah. optical effects work. Yeah, on that. that was. Really- it reminded me of um those shots in Shot Corridor. Yeah, that was pretty neat. Also, if we're gonna we'll get to the f- photography later, but can we talk about the editing for a minute? Yes. We, oh, yeah. we almost made a drinking game out of a certain transition that came up with I want to call it like some sort of shutter gradient type thing. I don't know how to describe it. All I know is that it was very obnoxious and intrusive when it came came up. The sound sounds like the opening of Billy Idol's White Wedding. Or, or that like guitar wailing when or not the cool kind. Like it kind of makes you like great, like God. I think right and the, we almost made a drinking game out of it because it happened so often. I think these unique Transitions were a response to Star Wars. They were? Okay, this is news to me. Get, no, I mean, going. I mean, this is a question. Like, I, I feel like they were, because I, I feel like at the time, like in 77, Star Wars was the first to, like, really reintroduce unique transitions. Eh, so, those were already borrowed from Flash Gordon. Like, where do you think it got the title crawl? I mean, Flash Gordon, the serials, not the not the uh, movie with the Queen soundtrack, which we will get to. Don't worry. We will. Okay. No. Yeah. Uh, but like, but talking about like super mainstream, and I feel like this film just like went two or three steps ahead with the unique yeah, transitions. A little too far. Should have quit while I was in. I honestly yeah. don't think the transition would be as bad if they found a less grating sound effect to it. Or just no sound at all. Or maybe like quieter. Like there, there's yeah. one part where it's like, okay, that actually kind of works. It also yeah, towards, has that end. weird transition during. I can't. I think it's the all over the world number where the, I called it the pizza transition because yeah, it looks it's like, like the right, uh, triangles being pulled apart. It's like the the makeover scene, if you'd call it, like the makeover montage where they're getting Gene Kelly all dressed up, and there's the transitions just get so much more yeah, and like, worse, and the pizza transition really stood <laughs> out to all of us. I was like, wait, what? I think I came up with the name. We just all started snickering. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I really do love the neon look for this though yeah like, so, it, it I really works try to do like a vaporwave version of the soundtrack <laughs> like legitimately like how is that like Simpsons wave is a thing how is this not a how is Xanadu wave not a, it really works with the film's aesthetic and it is a crucial part of that said aesthetic um yeah neon like a records disc disco fueled haze just neon and sparkles all over the place there was one shot of sparkles where it was like just sparkles when they were in like the um like the like the dimension the like ancient greek dimension or whatever which you know that's a whole separate thing just a trip like there's one shot where i think it's olivia and john where it's a silhouette against these like giant these neon bars to go and go out stretch out to infinity and Legitimately looks really cool. Like I, I think I had that as my wallpaper at some point in high school. My wallpaper. Yeah, I did like that. That that scene. There's some really cool visuals. 
it's really hard to know where to start because I do think, again, the music, I mean, a lot of this is complete nonsense in some yeah. ways, but it's the best kind. We haven't even gotten to the Don Bluth animation yet, have we? Oh, wow. Yeah. By the way, that scene was a reshoot. I think it works. I think it works. Yeah. It doesn't feel too out of place. I mean, it feels out of place in the way that every other aspect of the film does, so it, it just works. Um, it, just, think... it all gels together into this weird hodgepodge, like, I can't defend this seriously, but I'm just having too much fun to care. Yeah. I wrote down what they, they, they morph into. They turn into animated, like, pixie fairies, and then they yeah. turn into fish, and then birds, and then back into fairies. Before and there's still coming all back that sparkling you're talking about. Oh there's yeah, so... there's sparkles all over the place. Um, I remember there's an our college has an archive of uh, all of, or a lot of his work. I wonder if they, this has anything from this sequence, if they have mm. any. And if so, um, I would pay good money to see that. I would. I want to see that little archive room that our college has because it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I this. I remember one of the jokes I made about his performance. Uh, he's like, what if Jeff Spicoli from Fats Times at Ridgemont High was uh, sober and more boring? Uh, yeah, you because know, he kind of has that like surfer dude look to him. With it's the it's got to be the hair, right? It's gonna... Yeah, like trying to be oh, yeah. so pathetic. Um, yeah, we're not pathetic, but like I can't tell apathetic. if this is like, bad performance or just bad direction. Because uh, the, I mean, this guy did not do a whole lot of music. Robert Greenwald, his other works are like made for TV, like erotic psychological thrillers and anti-Bush documentaries. One of one of my biggest like reoccurring notes. Um, that I took for this film was like what makes it quote so bad it's good in the most like respectable and fun way is that the writing I feel is just horrendous. Um, oh yeah, the writing like the, is something. the dialogue is purely exposition. It feels like a Disney movie for adults, and I don't mean that as a compliment. Like it has the complex. Yeah. Really, it feels it's... like the kind of thing Enchanted would be making fun of. Mm, yeah, and the dialogue not only is it just exposition. But it, everything is so on the nose. There's zero subtext that it just... I think if that if the dialogue was rewritten, the film would be, like, much more sophisticated and, quote, better. Um, I wouldn't but, say sophisticated, but at least a little more... Um, yeah. More like, believable, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That's the weird thing about early 80s musicals, is that they basically... ...ones from 40s musicals, but they think if they throw in, I don't know, disco or hip-hop in there, it'll suddenly make it hip and fresh. And it just makes the clash just all that more accentuated. Yeah, but I think the bad writing just adds to like the fun the of charm. the film. Like you're not supposed to take it seriously, and like the plot doesn't really matter. It's just about the experience so and the dancing delightful. and the music and just having a fun like, time. Like, we're riffing on this a lot, but I do genuinely love this soundtrack. Yes. Yes. Adeline, you uh. Do you have the soundtrack? That's what I, I heard. I do. I have the vinyl record. I actually, this was my mom's like favorite movie growing up. And so she was supposed to give me hers, her vinyl, but she lost it. And then I actually, I was with Chandler. We were at some record shop and I found like an original record, like vinyl record of it. Nice. And so it plays frequently in our apartment. That <laughs> It's genuinely no good music. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, magic. It's a good find. Although it doesn't have the best ELO song with the word magic in the title. I will say that. That still goes to strange <laughs> magic. I do really like the all over the world number. 
I remember referring to that, getting that. I actually requested that to get played in my prom in high school. When it actually, they actually obliged me on that, which is weird because they did. Right, they had that, but they didn't have Cheap Trick. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, the soundtrack is so freaking catchy. Like yeah. the after we watched yeah. it on Wednesday, the, it was stuck in my head for like two days. I was, singing, I was like, I was gonna say, I was singing along, along with it too. Yeah. I went to sleep like, thinking like, oh, the world like, just like, ah, what? Like so much, it throws so much at you. Yeah. Right, that you just like you're either gonna go with run along for the ride or you're just gonna be we're gonna completely glaze over. I like, went to sleep that night thinking Xanadu. It was just, June, it was June. Just, yeah. Like those really like beautiful little, little piano notes. Yeah, it just kept going in my head, which I think that's like the point of the film. It's you're supposed to you know really groove with it and get into just the whole like you know it's the it's the 80s let's roller skate and dance and sing (laughs) the oddness of the all over the world sequence i'm shocked that joel schumacher wasn't involved with this because he was a costume designer at that time who was did a lot of work for musical and wrote the the film version of the whiz by the way okay i have i got a question for you can you can you name another film or think of another film that is more centered around roller skating thank god it's friday Uh, whip it i Whip it's roller derby though, so I'm not sure that counts. Yeah, no, I I can't think of one. I'm so I legitimately can't think of one. I'd say this one takes the cake. Yeah, this might this might be it. I mean, there was a roller disco movie from the late '70s that actually genuine went 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 way called Thank God It's Friday. Also a good disco soundtrack if you're interested in that. Uh, but yeah, I can't think of anything else except for maybe the opening of Boogie Nights. Uh yeah. Boogie God, Nights. imagine if you plays like Michael Beck and Gene Kelly from that in the, like or like the sister Christian scene in Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is fantastic. Um, Where they try to get coke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. I we we talked about while we were watching it, like what if there was a recreation of the Xanadu roller skating rink and how awesome that would be. Where they just played oh, like yeah. 80s music. That would be a yeah, hit. That, I'm pretty sure that, that someone staged that. I'm pretty sure. By the way, uh, we're speaking of all the odd names. We noticed uh, we know we're in a choreo- certain choreographer is um, relevant to our generation. Uh, the guy who directed all those Disney Channel movies was the choreographer, like High School Musical and all that n- nonsense. I was like, wait, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Kenny Ortega. I remember it took me back to like those um, those where they would do like High School Musical, learn the dance with the choreographer Kenny Ortega. Yeah, I, I was like, yeah, that gave me a chemical flashback. In the world. But like, I knew that part was part of my childhood. I was for, very okay with leaving that in the past. But if you're attached <laughs> to that, more power to you. He choreographed those movies, and he also directed them, or did he just choreograph it? I, mean, I think I think he did direct. I know he directed a High School Musical. Ran up the credits really quick. You know what else was weird? Uh, I mean, we I mentioned that Michael Beck did the Warriors right before this. They also got Barry Duvorzon to do the actual score for the movie. I mean, the guy the guys are for the Warriors, and uh, this whole movie is a weird. If you want to have fun with like a Wikipedia rabbit hole, look through all the other credits that are that are associated with people. With this like the guy who did the Warriors. He also did, did a uh, Burt Reynolds movie called Stick, which uh, you called sounded like you, you were like that sounds like a white version of Shaft. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're probably not wrong about that. You are probably not. <laughs> 
And now for the boring part where I do the research during the show. He made Hocus Pocus? He also did that uh, Michael Jackson documentary. Like, wait, he did Newsies? Wait, which Michael Jackson documentary? This is it. Okay, not the... Not it was the, the one that not... came out, like, right before he died. Like, the one okay, right I was thinking the most recent one. The, uh... The Leaving Neverland? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, definitely not that. <laughs> he also did Newsies with uh, Christian Bale, which I'm like, oh, neat. Christian Bale's in like... Newsies? Yeah, Christian Bale's in Newsies, and so is Bill Pullman. So is... Wow. Yep. I did not Bill know Bill Pullman that. and Mark Robert Duvall's in this? Fuck. Shrink! What the fuck? Trey Parker? Oh, wait, it's a different Trey Parker, not the South Park one. That was that threw me through a loop. That kind of th- Did anyone notice the Universal logo in the opening? That was yeah, it, looked like it looked like it was from, like, the 40s. It is oh. the one that they used in front of, like, the old monster time, which I thought that was kind of neat. I thought that was oh, yeah, th- speaking of other weird stuff, one of the muses is, Valer- is Valeria from Conan the Barbarian. That's Erna Arnold Schwarzenegger's girlfriend in that movie, so that's pretty neat. It's also um, not the only 1980 musical, because there was Xanadu, Urban Cowboy, Can't Stop the Music, Bl- or in the Blues Brothers, The Apple, and Popeye. And oh, only wow. three of those are genuinely good. Two of those are very fun bad, and one of them is genuinely unwatchable. I will leave it to you, or to guess which one is which. I didn't know Blues Brothers came out the same year as this. It did. It did. It was quite fun. And seriously though, can't stop the music, which is also which is the worst kind of event. Like, if this is the fun kind of ecstasy, like you're in your high as a kind and riding out the high, can't stop the music is like the morning after, where it's just like the hangover, like just catching up to you. It is only infamous for being terrible and also being the first, technically the first movie of the 1980s. Mm. Or in like the first thing. Yeah, it is nice. a shocking train wreck. I would One, say this uh, defines the year aesthetically, though, because, again, I'm, uh, maybe not defined so far, but at least it definitely feels like an emblematic of the time. Yeah. It seems very, like, uh, cutting edge of the time and, like, uh, just, like, really, really going for it. And I feel like I'm it's sure the film. cutting edge, just contemporary, because this is, like, again, the tail end of the disco era. Or, like, and also, speaking of which, the actual nightclub that this was shot at was interesting, because it's a place called the... If you had, speaking of Disney history, this is where the where the uh, front gates of Disneyland were modeled after. This is what, which was news to me, and I'm and I got a few uh, buddies at another Disney themed podcast that will probably be uh, very happy to hear that. Anyway, anyway, it's a shame that it got closed down now because I heard uh, after this movie it really uh, it really went to it went to hell. Like, like it got condemned. I think it's turned to a parking lot now. Ah, uh, that's sad. It's sad. Like, that is. I kind of, it's one of those, I kind of wish I had a time machine, or at least I was a fly on the wall during the set of this, because not even just like this to see how weird it was, just we're going to see how much work went in the choreography. Yeah. Because I'm not the biggest musical guy here. Not that I have disdain for it, just I don't have a, a lot of uh, root, rooting in the genre, and I just kind of, it's hard for me to get into. Like, yeah, I kind of appreciate it from an outsider perspective. Adeline, you might uh, be um, of a different persuasion on that. Yeah, I'm a big musical girl myself, so I am a little biased. But I just, I just enjoy them. I think they're fun. <laughs> I mean, I can get, I, I mean, I get the general, general gist of it. It's just hard. Like, I love '70s like glam rock musicals, like *Phantom of the Paradise* and that kind of. Thing. 
or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's for me, it's got to work as a movie too. Like the opening of Streets of Fire really does, which we will get to uh, around February, I think, and uh, I'll probably end up showing you guys uh, in a couple weeks once I get my hands on the Shout Factory Blu-ray again. But I mean, that whole movie feels like alive and colorful, and it really shoots dance and well, and the actual on-stage stuff. Like, there's an actual kineticism to it. This, I think, I do think this would benefit from a remake. What do you think, Adeline? Um, like, a remake of anything. Like, like, either remake, like, it's aesthetically very similar, or it tries to be or in a complete modernization. It can be either I way. Think, I mean, I think it probably could. There's, I don't know if there's really, like, a market for this kind of thing. Um, and I have no idea, like, who would do it. Like, who? what kind of cast would that be? But I feel like the music is kind of timeless in the way that, like, like we all still enjoy it, that I feel like it could work. Possibly. I doubt it, because this thing tanked when it came out. Because it was just yeah. like, a really medium-budget disco movie. And then the budget just, like, ballooned to, like, $20 million, which was... Friend, you wouldn't even spend that kind of money, money on, like, the next Marvel movie now. Or now, and if we were to adjust for inflation, and it only made like three million past that, so this thing was a very big, very, and like it was already being made fun of by the producers by the time the year was over. Yeah, I I don't think it it could be remade successfully without just being like a um a parody. It could maybe be like yeah. an SNL like an SNL skit. Um, or go for that thing provide like Aquaman, where it just completely owns how goofy it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it could be remade like seriously. Yeah, like, um, but then I think the only way you do that is like completely change it from the ground up, still Mm -hmm. remaking or making your own thing at that point. Yeah, another note I had was like the the overall production design was pretty spot on. Um, I I really like the idea of combining Art Deco and Neon. I think it actually come from a really pleasing idea, and it's actually kind of inspired. It feels like the right kind of modernization, the right, like taking something old. You like to do it. Um, the the finished roller rink I really like. Um, just like the the whole design. Um, and like how the the rink was actually like multi layered. Like there's, I think there's a part where someone like comes out from a, a curtains with like a pair of legs printed on them, which yes. After a very slew of bizarre visuals, like I'm. I mean, like, there's a whole, like, scene, I mean, I, I remember joked, like, this is just disco, ver- the disco version of the Warriors because of how many groups of, like, roller skating dancers there are, like, one of them is, like, modeled out of, like, zoot suits and stuff, and the other is, like, heavy metal, hair metal, glam, rock type thing, and, and it's, like, what am I watching in the best way? It's not even, like, just, like, confusion, it's more, like, overwhelming, like, overload, like, total yeah. disco. The, the scene where it was, like, you know, um, gl- glam rock meets, um, you know, like the oh, like orchestra. classic forties. Like it was like a yeah. singer, and then they kind of they yeah. merged together. It's like a band, I think. I, co- yeah. I really- It was it was entertaining to watch, um, just like as a performance. But I could see it working, you know, so much better, um, on a stage, and like being more yeah. impressive to watch on a stage. There actually is a stage musical of this, like I mentioned earlier, and it yeah. was actually fairly well received. Like I, th- I think it won a couple of Tonys. There was actually a Marvel Comics adaptation of this at the time, which uh, I will definitely keep an eye out for that. Wow. Also, can we talk about the like unnecessary stunts that were pretty impressive? Um, oh, do go. 
Go on. Go on. I like, especially in the like finale, um, completed roller rink scene. There were so many stunts that just. Oh yeah, like the, the part where the dude just like hops over a bunch of dudes on the like. Yeah, yeah. I was just like terrified <laughs> if I was one of those dudes on the plane. Like I just don't want to get my head cracked. Yeah, like roller skating, extreme like parkour roller skating stunts, which were so entertaining and like genuinely impressive. Um, there was also like a girl hanging by her neck, like she was the only one. Oh yeah, a, like spinning. Yeah, in a final like uh, zoom out, and it was just kind of bizarre, but like impressive and scary, very circusy. But um, yeah, that was a that was a note. It's funny I mentioned a strange magic earlier because that actually that and evil. Or actually, stage show because they incorporate a couple other uh, irregular ELO hits that were made before and after the movie. Yeah. Nice. Did this film put ELO like on the map, or were they already already? Uh, no, they were already a big thing before this. They were already nice. Thing before this, this was just... It's more of a footnote in their career than this. Than this is in uh, the filmographies of anyone involved. Yeah. Also, this movie was kind of a shock to me because I did not know uh, Olivia Newton Australian. Until you like pointed it out, I'm like, it was. I think it was that. It's subtle. Yep. Yeah. It's subtle, and then it like creeps and it comes up every now and then. Like, she is definitely a lot better in Grease. I'll say that. I'm not sure how much of this is her fault. It's just poor. Because I think Grease is a much better directed movie than this is. Like, or in terms of yeah. like the dance numbers and whatnot. Yeah, Grease. Grease is a classic. Everyone knows Grease, and I yeah, think my, there's definitely dad, a reason for that. My dad is a hyper-masculine type, but even he can get behind Grease. Nice. I remember that was one of the very few movies, like, in, like, old classic movies he showed me when I was a kid. And honestly, and I'd always put it on mainly just for the opening because I love the animation. Or in that whole or in funky uh, 70s kind of grunge vibe to it. I think we're running out of things to say here. Um, it's got it's one of those things that you just kind of have to see it to believe it i guess yeah it's so much more of an experience mm-hmm. rather than a film like, really what can because i say it, about this that lives up to the actual thing what oh can I hardly about? hardly anything like in terms of a film it it it's very it falls very flat but like just as an experience as, as just like entertainment yeah as just pure entertainment I don't think I've had this much fun watching a movie with friends until I saw In Fabric at the uh, film festival last year, which was, God, that was, I mean, watching that with a really good crowd was so much fun. I'm like, there's just people, like, going, what? I feel like this could be a good, uh, like, theater, um, like, cinema experience. If you got, oh, like, God, I can imagine this being a good midnight movie. This yeah. Is, like, pop it in at the Alamo Draft House or something. You know, people, like, having a few I, drinks in them. How would the pre-show for that look like? Would it be like trailers like Whip It and like old the Jazzercise videos? <laughs> the audience could like dress up in like eighties um, attire. Wear yeah. your roller skates to the yeah. theater. Roller skate before or after. Totally. No, another note I had about this film that uh, I said we were gonna like talk about was like um, the overall like how did like homosexuality. Um, Oh, yeah, there's a lot of musicals. There's a whole library of, like, gay subtext in, in the, like, classic Hollywood musicals. Yeah. I mean, like, there, there are much more qualified people to talk about that more than I am. And if I, if I find the right movie to analyze that with, I will find it. It'll probably be Repo the Genetic Opera or Rocky Horror. Yeah, this feels like a, like a um, more jazzy, sparkly Rocky Horror 
Yeah. Yeah. Not that quite, or not that quirky, I'd say, but I'd, yeah, but I would say it's definitely all a kind. It's just a kind. Yeah. I, I would I, I would consider this movie very gay in yeah, a non-stylistic like, way. I think there was one point where one of us just shouted, kiss him, you fool, when, 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 when Michael Beck and Gene <laughs> Keller were getting really close to each other. Yeah, there, there is like a, a, a definitive like bromance between them, and it's, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, just, you know, just just yep. part of the, part of the and film. Speaking of weird, kind of odd overtones that probably weren't intentional. Anyone else feel like there's parts of this guy kind of turned to? A... I mean, like when Michael Beck's taking your urn in the stage, he's like, "Here, I got something really cool. I want to show you." I'm like, okay, Olivia Newton John, run! I don't care Ernie, how far you have to go, just run. <laughs> this danger. <laughs> he like, like takes her into like an empty warehouse, no like, lights, just, just boxes. That's probably also the the stagiest scene out of the bunch. Like that feels like that was the one that gave me the heaviest. This was when came from a Broadway show vibes. Yeah. Except, and that except scene, the Broadway show again came came after this. That scene also reminded me of the ending of La La Land, where they go through all of the different sets, and where it's like the you know different variations of the past that could have gone. Um, I, I could see. Flying this. at one point. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh yeah, so, oh, yeah the planetarium sequence. That's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I could see this being a, um, you know, a loose uh, inspiration for La La Land. I think the films that inspired this, like, I think that very more stuff actually with Gene Kelly in his heyday were, were still, yeah. like, guys and that kind of... More, like, more, um, not so much, I guess, like, visually, um, I could see this being an inspiration for La La Land, but, uh... The only other note I really have that we haven't covered was like, it was like that ancient Greek dimension, like, um, you know, ethereal dimension scene where she, or G, um, Kira? Yes, Kira, where Kira's like, I'm the daughter of Zeus. I'm amused. We can't, we, quote, we just can't be together, that trope. Um, and like, but I'll always love you. And like, they're just in this like black abyss of just like mm-hmm. neon. And he's just so confused. And, like, it, it's, again, it's like the animation scene. It's so out of place, but everything's out of place, works. so it, yeah, it works. Kind of works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. A, oh, God, there was another joke I made when we were watching where Michael Beggs, like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm like, you you did already? You were? I was like, because he is performing. He's like, okay, there's, you know, there's not giving a shit, and then there's not giving so little of a shit. That you're not even good at looking like you don't care. Yeah. Like it's transcending apathy. <laughs> when he ran into the no, when he when when he roller skates into that wall, it reminded me of uh the men who stare at goats. You know where he runs into the wall, but like he actually like the, Harry, the Harry Potter thing, like the train yeah. station, like okay, run yeah, the wall, run to the wall, run to the wall, and smack. Like damn it, I was disappointed when you didn't look. <laughs> Yeah, same thing. But um, out of ten, what would what would you give this movie? Probably a ten. five. You know what? Good on. You know what? That's fine. My man. I mean, I think I gave like I don't know, Fateful Findings or Ernest Zardoz like a perfect ten too. So like, you know what? We're all in time. And I'm not yeah. coming from like a film perspective like you guys. Like I don't go to school to study film, so I see this just completely right. different than y'all. I'm like, that's why, that's, that's why we had you on the Respect. show to have an outsider's perspective on this. It adds more mm-hmm. fun to the conversation. 
yeah, and like a true fan of this film. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah we appreciate that perspective. Um, what Flash Gordon is to guys like like me is what Xanadu is to to girls like you. God, that was very for me, for, for me it was Zardoz. Like this is if I grew up watching Zardoz, or if I was introduced to Zardoz earlier. That to your kids when they're young. Like what kind of, <laughs> If I was introduced to Zardoz earlier, I could see myself having the same experiences, same experience as you, Adeline, with this film. Um, mm-hmm. just, just like so late seventies, bizarre, but like a sci-fi version, and then um, very yeah. like, cl- clunky. If I had seen Zardoz when I was little, I would just be so confused. Yeah. And then I would revisit it when I'm older, like, okay, there has to be something to this, and I'd probably just drive myself mad, like going down this rabbit hole. <laughs> Of bizarre like, imagery and uh, in like glass, in gla- in glass and green, in green colors and out there sci-fi ideas. It's whack, yeah. man. It's like the sci-fi version of Xanadu. Yeah. Um, That's fair. I I remember uh, actually there was this podcast I listened to. What must a film geek now respond to when they go through stuff like this or the Apple? And I'm like, well, if you're interested in that, here we go. And, we're just as baffled as you are, man. We don't know what's possibly more. I mean, context it does help it a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, unless stress. Like when roller skating was apparently super popular. Yeah, roller disco. And, um, I kind of want to go to a roller disco now. That does seem fun. That does. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> We've so been to a roller rink, but I feel like is that different from a roller? Um, I've been to a go. I actually have been to a roller discos. It is a lot of fun. It is a lot of. It sounds like a lot of fun. It takes you a while yeah. to get used to it, right, but once you're into it, it is, you're never gonna want to leave. Are there are there some in Vegas? I don't think so. No, I can't remember. Oh. I I remember I was in LA at the time and I was doing it. Nice, nice. I'll definitely have to find one. That's a bucket list thing for me. Go to a oh, roller yeah. disco. I want to go again so bad. Anyway. Sounds super fun. One of the things I know, I read an article a couple uh, days before watching this about the uh, vehicle Hudson. That was like, this is a horrible movie that I cannot defend, but every time I watch it, it makes me so, so happy. And I'm like, yeah, that, although I will say this is a very much a better movie than Hudson Hawk. It's sad to think that that was made by the same guy who did Heather. Uh, Heather's is great. Movie for everyone involved. Yeah, I do really enjoy Heather's too. Heather, Heather's is fun. I like it. This I mean, movie... I'm Christian Slayer, so uh, I'm kind of an easy lay for that. Yeah, just to like you know, restate it. While this movie isn't, you know, it's not great necessarily. Necessarily, it's fun. It's fun, and there's mm-hmm. just so much style. Um, everything is so stylized and over the top that it's just so much fun. I don't think this disestablishes whatever credibility we have. I'm like, we are a podcast with, I don't know, like 20 listeners, maybe. I mean, we talk about, we talk about eclectic films, and I would definitely yeah. consider this eclectic. We have multitudes, is what we're saying. We yes. all have multitudes. Yes. <laughs> I can watch a Tarkovsky film one minute and think, wow, this is And then watch something like Kong Skull, I'm like, fuck yeah, you just ate a dude like a PB&J sandwich, and they got paranoid going back and going on the background this is fucking awesome like last week we did you know dead man which is like super deep and artsy and western um and serious and this is you know 
And next week, we're going to be doing a different kind of weird 80s movie. Yep. From the great Martin Scorsese. We will get to that when we get there. It is not King of Comedy. Don't. Brandon, we will. I mean, we might get around to that someday, but for now, that's going to. We're going to be very far off. In the meantime, have y'all seen anything else you wanted to, we're gonna talk about? Anything lately? TV, movies? I recently watched um, The Devil All the Time on Netflix. I watched that a couple I nights ago. I really liked it. I didn't realize what I was watching until it started, but I had actually like read a couple of the stories the movie was about in like an English class a couple of years ago. So I enjoyed it just because I kind of had some context. But I it was it was interesting. Was not as fun of it as you are, but I must admit that that and actually finding out it was based on a book did make me want to check out that book a lot more. I must say. Yes, very gothic. I, I do like Southern Gothic, but I don't I don't know something about this just didn't work for me. I I would like to check out the book though. Mm-hmm. This had, the ingredients are all there, but I just don't think it like worked for me. I uh, actually we mentioned uh, the or any of the uh, or having multitudes. Uh, I went through a Criterion Channel's uh, current lineup of things, and I found a bunch of Albert Brooks movies recently, which were still blind spot for me. So I decided to give uh, Real Life a shot, and boy, that might be one of my new favorite comedies because wa- basically it's a parody of like an American Family or like the dawn of like reality TV. And like we're not going to be invasive into these people's at all, and there's like people with cameras constantly following everyone. Good God, the fake cameras they had to be—they look like scuba diving helmet. Man, it's like only six of these were made, only five of them work, and we have four of them. It is a very, very funny satire. What's it called? Real life. I will send you the letterbox link uh, afterward on recording. Nice. Albert, I think I'm gonna binge the rest of them once I'm done editing this uh, episode. Yeah. Also, I... the ice storm, which, uh, if I may, we may thank Chandler for a minute. Thank you for allowing me the Blu-ray of that. Thank you. For... Oh now, yeah. Uh, I really liked it, but I needed to put on some because that ending just destroyed me. Like I was legitimately in tears. That was. Oh yeah. That was it'll, rough. It'll get you. It's a it's a slow build. I would consider it or like yeah, a I, slow burn. Yeah. Burning no, build. It doesn't like explode either. It's a very quiet movie, which I like. I like yeah. It quiet. But and not like so memory. emotional. It didn't feel up its own. It felt honest, quiet, not right, not that kind of mumblecore indie indie no. crap. Very, like, authentic and human. Um, yeah, I love that film. Glad you liked it. I also uh, had to rewatch, I rewatched uh, Modern Times for a History of Cinema class, so that was fun. Nice. I'm looking forward and to... And yeah, someone mentioned Joker in the discussion. Uh, of course they did. Oh, well. Anyway, Adeline, where can, pe- where can people find you on social media? Are there okay. any projects you want to promote while you're here? Or thank you for coming. Um, yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, my Twitter, Adeline H. Little. Um, my Instagram is Adeline Hope Little. That's about it. That's about all I've got. Um, yeah. 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 Anyway, thank seriously though. Thank you for coming on. This is a really fun. Yeah, thank yes. you. I really I enjoyed watching it with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you so much. But anyway, if you want to find us on Twitter, it, we are just at Warp Celluloid. You can, and you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Aaron cast, uh, give Aaron give us five stars. What Aaron like, subscribe, spread the word. We really anything you can do, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take yeah, care. Yeah, thanks for listening.